Hello, I'm Lucas. And I am Nicholas. And this is our show, Wisha, where we discuss the reality of working a small business. Hello, everyone. I am uh, Nicholas, and uh, we are starting our first uh, podcast called We Chef. Um, I am joined here with uh, my son, Lucas, my rented man, and uh, the wonderful uh, marketing director, Miss uh, Sabrina. Uh, today, we're going to talk to you about uh, our um, hospitality group called the Fanucci Restaurant Group. And right now, we are uh, managing or running one restaurant called Nicholas Hillary in Malibu. Lucas, would you like to talk about the restaurant a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, um, hi, everyone. I think it's important to first talk about what Nicholas Eatery is. So, uh, Nicholas Eatery is a family-run restaurant. Uh, like my dad said, we, we work together every day. Uh, my mom does the flowers. You know, my dad cooks if he needs to. My little brothers come and join us. Our girlfriends work with us. Uh, we all are very much a family restaurant, which is a good and also can be bad sometimes uh, because, as you know, families do butt heads a lot. Nicholas Eatery, we kind of developed the name through many different things, but originally we wanted to just have a restaurant that was very approachable and family oriented. So I think that's, you know, that's what we've been doing lately. And I, I know Nicholas Eatery is kind of an interesting name, but it works with what we do. Well, we decided to venture into our own restaurant because the previous restaurant I was working in filed chapter 11 and went out of business. Uh, we find ourselves with not too many choices and we really try to uh, do our own restaurant. But it was never planned to have the entire family doing this. However, by the end of 2018, uh, a huge fire happened in Malibu and created more stress and delays in uh, getting ready. And uh, by the um, beginning of 2019, we had to rent a food truck in order to survive and to keep the dream moving in. Uh, therefore, the family joined in and started to uh, help out. And especially Lucas, who was just finishing college came in and uh, became a part of the business. And this is how this restaurant hospitality group became a family-run business more than ever. We opened our doors in uh, September of uh, 2019 uh, with a lot of struggles to get everything going. But uh, the truth is it, well, it became very successful very quickly as we had created a, a nice um, family. What we didn't really brush upon is that it took us about two years to open our doors. With that happening, everyone saw our restaurant, people saw our name, but no one saw us. We had this following of people who just were wondering what we were. I mean, you know, you pass by a building 50 times and you're like, all right, is it gonna open? Is it, is it closed? Who are these people? And, and so we were able to open our doors and kind of have these, this group of people come in. It was a uh, kind of overwhelming, but it was also the signs of a nice, healthy business. Oh, that's right. Definitely the local community of Malibu really embraced what we are doing and really cared for the family feeling. Malibu is a very small town. 13,000 people live in Malibu. They are very uh, much into their own. Um, they love the city and they don't want to see it becoming too industrial or too commercial. And every time somebody comes in and wants to try to open a chain restaurant or a, a big uh, boutique, they definitely get shut down and definitely get pushed out. So we were what they were really expecting from us. That really helped out. 
So why did you decide to call this podcast We Chef? We Chef. A term. A term, yeah, that is used in the kitchen quite often. But we we decided to call it we, this podcast We Chef because We Chef is a part of our restaurant group. And um, I think like my dad said before or has said before that it's a um, kind of becoming a part of our core values. We Chef is simply translated to Yes Chef. In our restaurant, we say yes to our guests and we say yes to essentially everything. I mean, there's been times where it's my father and I working and then a group of, you know, 15 people come in and they ask if they can sit. We only have two people working and he says yes. And as much as I don't want that to happen sometimes and as much as I kind of fight it, it's the right thing to do. Uh, There's other occasions too, now that we have other people in our restaurant who aren't a part of our family, who are employees of ours, there's definitely some frustration. But at the end of the day, uh, I think we all understand that the guests come first. And so we chef is kind of our way of being like, yes, you know, we're going to do it for you. I think we chef has become so much of your brand now. I mean, Lucas even has a tattoo of we chef on his leg, I believe. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's really become a part of the business, but we have these like private wine pair dinners. These are events we put on just about once a month. And it's interesting because some guests were a little bit, not as eager to attend events when they call it a private wine dinner, private wine tasting. Uh, But when we, I know when I first was on board into this business, uh, they were trying to execute some kind of a wine paired dinner, and we weren't really seeing many RSVPs. I think we were going to have it on the 15th of a month, and we only had two RSVPs, so we canceled it. So we, tied, we decided to start this again and brand it as We Chef, and we've had really great success. We've sold out. We've had wait lists. So maybe we can talk about a little bit why we think that's happened, how We Chef has contributed to the brand and the success of the business. Well, a little bit more established, so people knew and trusted us more. The other part was the creativity of keep on coming up with ideas about doing make doing business and really adapting to what was needed at the time. So a wine dinner for everybody. It's coming to a restaurant, sitting down next to a stranger, having a winemaker talking to you about wine and how he tastes and feel, and having a chef telling you, why are you eating that food? But we definitely um, uh, did think differently by having everybody on separate tables, by having the winemaker talking directly to you and not making a speech or not making a balim, and uh, by having the kitchen and the food and the chef really being more presented as a personal touch and not so much as becoming an event that it is uh, almost too commercial. So the first one was successful and on and on, we became even better and better at customizing the uh, the experience. I think what you said there is personal touch and customizing. And that has a lot to do about why your business has been so successful. Unlike other businesses, you guys kind of bring this European feel to Malibu. I mean, Nicholas will have wine at your dinner table with new guests and just sit down there, which really doesn't happen in America that often, especially not Malibu. So I think that's one of the things that makes Nicholas Eatery so unique. Do you see that with everyday business? Like, how do you make every customer feel like they're a part of your family? That's really how they feel when they're there. So growing up, we did host a lot of things, a lot of parties, a lot of dinners with wine. I mean, wine is definitely uh, a part of our family (laughs) and our life. And then hosting and hospitality is. So uh, I think with, with all of that, it's more 
so that European kind of touch is good. My father is European. We're used to big tables, long dinners, uh, chatting, drinking off the table. And so I think by doing that, we kind of were able to create that environment. So people come in and people will tell us about their day. And I know sometimes when you go to another restaurant, you know, you tell the server, oh, I'm having a rough day. And they give you this kind of like scripted answer. But for us, you know, some of these guests that come in, we see them multiple times a week. And so, you know, they might even come in just to have a coffee with us. And so by doing that, we kind of made everybody feel like they were a part of our family. And we kind of, un, you know, made that feeling of like we, without them, there's no us. So we're very much invested in our guests. And uh, I think we talk, I mean, I talk to my dad about this a lot. How do you create a restaurant group, a large restaurant group, by, by not eliminating that one key thing? And that's making the guests feel like they're a part of your group as well. And uh, you see it a lot everywhere in a lot of places that there's that loss of that personal touch. I think part of it is that we work our business. Other parts of, you know, like I said, we try to we try to relate to our guests as much as we can. Well, it's also like we care and we want to make sure that when people come into our restaurants, they are welcome, like if they were coming to your own. This is also why we're designing the restaurant with an open kitchen, with a bar you can see. You can sit at the bar, but it's not a, it's a bar facing the kitchen where you can talk to the chef. Like if you are in your house and when you do a dinner or anything like that, anybody will come and we spend time in the kitchen while the person is cooking. And so that was really the main feeling. I think we've even had guests order through the chef, which is not really ideal, but it happens because they feel that that they feel comfortable. They'll order on Instagram. They'll comment on a picture from like 13 yeah. weeks ago yeah. and place an order. Yeah. But it's funny because we actually place the order, even yeah. though it's an Instagram comment. So I think it just goes to say that we really do. You guys really do go above and beyond to make everybody feel like they're part of your family. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where they're coming from or how often they come. They're still going to get that concierge service when they walk in. Yeah. And it's also interesting because... I don't feel like we're doing, I don't feel like we're going above and beyond. I just feel like it's normal, you know? And I know my, I mean, that's how I grew up. My dad was very much accommodating to everything. I mean, I remember we threw a 4th of July party and one of the people who came hadn't told us, but they were pescatarian and we were eating, I think we were eating like filet mignon, which was amazing for 4th of July. But um, we went to the store on 4th of July and actually my father went to the store and he got a whole fish, a branzino, and he cooked it for her. And so this is not even for business. This is just friendship. So that's the kind of person that I was raised by. So it's pretty easy for me to, you know, translate that into business. Yeah, I think that we also, because we had very humble beginnings. You're not a business owner that's owned businesses all across America that's a big chain or just changes the name and, and makes it kind of a boutique restaurant. And I think that's part of the reason why everybody can connect you so well, because you're very much, you are the brand. It's Nicholas of Nicholas Eatery. I decided to be very uh, focused on relationship and local business and really thinking about the other people because of... Uh, previous failure because at one point in my life I had the opportunity to open my own place and um, was giving in the tool to do them and therefore when I started to do it I wanted to do it my way the way I thought it would be working and I forgot to listen to people who offered uh, advice suggestion or who really tried to tell me why don't you do it my way because I'm eating that food because I'm in your restaurant and I try to tell them no 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 
do it the way I want it, eat the way I want, eat what I want. And that didn't last long at all. So after a failure like that, you definitely, if you're going to start again, you really have to think about what would it take to make sure you don't make the same mistake. I think your open-mindedness has really helped your business boom. People have grown with your business. We have people that have started, we started off as a food truck and we discussed a little bit about why. We have people coming in from there. They've seen when we just started our Instagram and we had like 400 followers. We have people, we're just starting to grow now on TikTok. People coming in asking for pictures and seeing Nicholas and the family and wanting to just get along with them and be involved with that. So I think it's really great because unlike other restaurants, you're growing with your business and with your customers together and you're evolving. It's very organic the way we are going. It's slow process. It's really not, it's not really pushing for the uh, extreme or for uh, making things commercial or just money making. It's more about creating a brand that will be lasting long and not be uh, a short term or a quick fix. And that's the way that we, we branded together. You have the family still two years out working in the restaurant together. We make sure that our content looks, it looks like your friend would be posting. It doesn't look commercialized. A lot right. of things we do are with an iPhone. We purposely make it feel like they're with us and that we're just a family running a business, regardless of how many employees we have or where we grow. And that's always going to be our brand because that's, that's really how we got started and it's worked really great for us. Uh, so a lot of this is intentional and we want to maintain that regardless if we choose to open restaurants in the future, we would like to keep our branding the same, which was really important for us. So why, why did you open Nicholas Theory? Why Malibu? Why French American? Why Malibu? Why Nicholas Theory? Why Malibu? Why French American? Okay. So we, um, ironically, we were in a family vacation in Hawaii and um, we were um, at the pool and in, uh, in the resort and really were um, talking and socializing with incredible people to the point that we offered them to uh, come to our house and uh, we decided to cook a dinner for them. So the entire pool, which was maybe 10 people. Yeah, I think um, just about 10 people. Came to our house uh, the, on that dinner and had uh, that good dinner. We drink and we ate and the well, kids cook. This was a Fenucci style dinner. So uh, our last name is Fenucci. Um, but this is, we, like I said before, we hosted a lot of different dinners and, and things like that just growing up. Um, that was kind of a normal thing in my life. So we invite these people over and they're expecting, you know, cooking on the grill and just come up and grab the food. But instead we had this whole spread set up and uh, to the point where my little brother, who is now 15, but the time was, I think he was probably 10, 10 maybe he's walking around with plates serving people personally, which we had not even told him to do, but it was just something that he did. And, um, and I was pouring wine and my dad was cutting the beef and talking to people. And we all sat down together and had this dinner. And guess we really did a good job because we were, you know, within weeks after that, that trip and that dinner, we were offered this location in Malibu, which, you know, a lot of people, when I tell that story, they're very surprised and they're like, talk about right time, right place, right people. And the right people. Yeah. The ownership of this restaurant at that time were at, well, in Hawaii. Yeah, we were at that dinner and it just so happened that we met the person who could pull the strings. Uh, so you didn't know they were at that dinner? No, 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 no. We had no clue. Surprise. Yeah. Wow. It was like Bouchon 
in Beverly Hills closed down and I was out of jobs. People came to me and offered me to um, or ask me if I had a concept and if I uh, will be interested to open my own restaurant. And when they told me where it was, I was um, I knew that location well because uh, my son Sebastian uh, was surfing and we used to drive by that place and looked at it and uh, it was a big sticker saying restaurant retail for lease. So they offered it and they, uh, they helped us out through the, the process as much as they could. And, um, which was a lot, <laughs> which was a lot, which was a lot. And why are you serving French American food? Is that what you served at the dinner? No, it was uh, French, uh, obviously because of me, American, because I really believe to use local ingredients and to really work with local farm and, uh, we're doing a good job at it, but we're not doing that good of a job. We have done better, especially before pandemic. And then in French, because the technique, but every French, every food cooking is French technique in many ways. Uh, some of the recipes, such as onion soup or steak frites or um, goat cheese salad are maybe more French or more uh, influenced, but overall it is California food. I think the French-American part, like the American part mixed with the French is more of like our way of adapting. So like my dad was saying before we had a restaurant and he was very much pushing on, this is how you're going to eat the food. This is the style of the food we make. But here at yeah, Nicholas Eatery, we are very much uh, accommodating to changes. So uh, being in California, there's already a lot of people who are, feeling different about their dietary restrictions. Um, you know, there's, there's allergies that I've never heard of, but it's okay. Like I said before, say yes. So we kind of just listened to what the guests wanted. I remember the first time we made a tuna sandwich. My father had this funny joke that he would tell me while we were doing something that maybe we've never done before or we've never been in that situation. And he would tell me, you know, do you want to hear a secret? And I was like, sure, tell me the secret. And he's like, I've never made a tuna sandwich before, but it was something that guests were asking for. And then I remember one guest said, oh, I put mustard in my tuna sandwich usually. And so the next day we get a group of people coming and they order a tuna sandwich. And my dad, in the most fluid way possible, leans over and says, oh yeah, by the way, I like to put a little mustard in mine. Is that okay? <laughs> and they, and the guests are like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at him like, liar. You know, that's not, you don't do that. But that's that's the kind of uh, attitude that we have and that we, I mean, we currently and I hope forever embrace. Uh, it's not about it's not about what you want to serve all the time. It's about what the other people want. Well, until this day, we are still doing it. Um, guests come to the restaurant now and they ask for a special cut of meat or a special fish. And uh, if we can get it, if we can do it, we absolutely uh, don't even hesitate to uh, break it out. Yeah. I mean, like I said before, we say yes to everything. So, uh, but now that we have other employees who aren't family members, uh, it's definitely sometimes stresses the staff out without, without, uh, without them. There's no us. So you have to keep going. One of the, uh, one of the main core value or the main philosophy in our restaurant is that nobody works for the family or for Nicholas Hillary, but everybody works for the guests. And that's very important to, focus on that because the guests are the one who pays the bills. And if you come to a restaurant as a guest and you ask for something, server, the cook, the manager knows that you're going to be paying him 
he might be more influenced to say yes versus to think that Nicholas is just going to um, sign your check. So working for the guests is the main key to the restaurant and nobody works for the ownership. That's very, very important. I think that's, that kind of our, that's what makes us different from other places. Um, it's definitely harder to be a larger company <laughs> or a larger group and have that philosophy. I think we're going to try our hardest to try to do that and to keep it that way, especially with everything going on. I mean, the last two years have definitely been difficult and they are, you know, it's not business as usual. Um, even though we like to think that maybe it's coming back. I mean, there's always a curveball. I mean, there's like a new variant every day and as stressful as that is and as stressful as restrictions are, the rules are the rules. We need to just keep keep going and keep giving guests what they want. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Um, that's, our, that's our thing. Some days are more difficult than others and some days are wonderful. Uh, being a small business was kind of helpful in those big crises but also uh, challenging because merging for error and the reopening and structure and everything is very hard as we are the labor force, we are the tools, we are the, sometimes the only people who are working it. So it's very, very important to uh, yeah to believe. Yeah. No, I mean, there are days like dishwasher doesn't come in, so I jump in the back and do dishes, but I would much rather be up front talking to guests as that's, I, I feel that's my where I'm strongest, you know, but there happens. And I've seen my dad, we, we do hand cut fries and I've seen my dad cut, you know, 70 pounds of, of potatoes. And, you know, as much as, as much as that's difficult and frustrating, you got to do what you got to do. So I'm sure there's many other business owners who can totally relate to that. You working for Thomas Keller, you know, that he very much worked his business, his businesses. Um, and I remember, he, I mean, you told me you've seen seen him washing dishes in the middle of service. So it's not unheard of, but it's definitely the right way to do it. Especially now when we have uh, this huge uh, shortage of staff or uh, trying to figure out how to run your business, you know, when you have a uh, staffing that is not performing to the highest level, everything, you need to make sure that you have uh, the tools and you can you can curve the ball to be able to keep the business going. And that's going to be the next challenge for the next years. You know, who knows, maybe forever. You know, it's becoming more and more difficult. Yeah. I mean, definitely what we have found is staffing has definitely been the hardest part and it's always been hard, but I think now it's harder than ever, uh, especially with, you know, there's this virus out there. So people are scared and, regardless of whether or not you believe in it or you want to get vaccinated or not vaccinated, it doesn't really matter. People are still scared. So that for us has been difficult. It's also been difficult to find people to come and work. I mean, we're located in Malibu. Uh, if you don't know, Malibu is 27 miles long and we're about halfway. So being that far into Malibu, a lot of people just immediately associate LA traffic with the, the PCH, which is the road that we're located on. So that too, I mean, we have trouble. I mean, we, we've done done every single site for, you know, staffing employees. And I mean, we send emails and messages and people confirm their, inter their interview and then they don't show up. Well, that might not be for only the distance now. In our days, it's about everybody has already trying to figure out their own way to make it happen. So yeah. The distance is one, but then after that, there is everything else around our, our hospitality. So right now we're recording this podcast in December. 
we're about to enter the new year and we've talked a lot about the challenges that the business has faced. What are some goals that you have within this new year for your business? The challenges are the same, the staff, the quality, the business, but uh, we have decided to um, keep pushing through. Uh, so uh, we signed a lease to open a new location in uh, Thousand Oak, Westlake area, which is uh, in the valley of a bit more uh, north, Los Angeles. North of LA. It's a um, location that was uh, offered to us by a uh, regular guest who come to the restaurant and uh, owned that uh, shopping center so it's kind of the, again the same story that we experienced in the past in hawaii this one was just in um, a person who come to our restaurant on a weekly basis who offered us this opportunity yeah it's kind of like another example of right time right place and right people so and doing the right thing yeah because obviously they saw they see something that was attracting to them to do business taking a big uh, and I won't say a chance, but they definitely are entering a different way for us because they are used to deal with huge corporate companies um, such as Amazon Fresh or Nike or uh, Lululemon. And they are offering us to run the business, our business, next to those big corporations. And obviously, they have to adapt to our needs, our requests, and uh, more important, our financial uh, um, strengths, which uh, at this point, compared to uh, those big guys, we are nothing. But they are they willing and they did it to uh, to take the chance and to uh, give us the opportunity to uh, to run our restaurant there. So, yes, we're very excited and uh, hopefully we can get this open before the summertime. I don't really know exactly the date because every time you talk to a contractor, they just add a couple weeks on to the to the uh, finish date. Is kind of our experience lately. Yeah, we're very excited, and I think uh, we're going to do our very best to keep running our whole group as you know with that same with the same philosophy as you know family business. We say yes to everything, and we're there for the guests. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, and uh, we hope to uh, give you many more different stories and experiences, and keep this podcast you know fun and and just give you a little insight on what it's like to be a business owner.